What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always with my two co-hosts, John Kegley and David Drogemeyer. We are three writers from San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and we've been covering the Chargers for four seasons now, doing our own Facebook live show, Chargers Domination Live, and this is our second season with the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Alright guys, well, a lot to talk about on a normal crossover Wednesday, but it's not because the Chargers are currently on their bye week, so this week's going to be a little bit different, but we're still going to do the segments we normally do after the game and what went wrong and what went right, so we're going to do those two segments to finish the show, but we're going to start with some positive news on Derwin James, depending on how you're looking at it, because the reports right now are that Derwin James is indeed coming back to the team, despite the 4-7 and seven hole that the Chargers are currently in, so that in itself is news, and it looks like he's trying to come back as soon as the next game against the Broncos. So, David, John, let's go ahead and get into it. This is your Locked On Chargers lead story. I'm Daniel Wade, joined by David Drogemeyer. The news of the day is that Derwin James, the Chargers All-Pro Pro Bowl safety, is probably going to return after the Chargers bye week. He talked with Lindsey Rhodes of NFL Total Access and told her that he's feeling really well, he's getting better every single day, and he's really close to a return. And when asked if he would be back for the Chargers game against the Denver Broncos, he said, stay tuned. So the way he was talking about it makes it seem as if he is targeting that game against the Broncos to get back in and on on the action. And obviously, it's later than the Chargers would have liked, but it fits along with the timetable of him breaking his foot in the offseason. We knew it was going to be about 12 weeks. Now here we are in week 12, and Derwin James is ready to come back. So, David, just looking at what Derwin James is going to bring back to a Chargers defense that is already fifth in total yards allowed in the NFL and fourth in passing yards allowed. They have made do with the pieces that they've had in that secondary, but now they're getting their best player back, maybe on the defense, maybe on the entire team, but Joey Bosa might have something to say about that, but it's really hard to quantify everything that Derwin James brings back to this Chargers defense. You're absolutely right, but you're bringing back a guy that does everything well. You're pretty much getting four players in one when you bring Derwin James back and put him back on the football field. He can play back, play center field with the best of them. He can play in the box. He's great in run support. He can get after the passer. He's a great blitzer. I mean, this guy does everything well. He's a great tackler. He's a great leader. You you get that ferocious young energy, that relentless energy that Joey Bosa shares. You get an apex predator back on the defense. A good Chargers defense that is only getting better when you bring Derwin James back. It's just going to be great to see him out there. And we'll love to see what he's going to do with the remaining games on the schedule. And Derwin put together a ridiculous stat line. As a rookie, 75 solo tackles, 105 combined tackles to go along with three and a half sacks and three interceptions. The biggest thing coming back to the Chargers right now is a giant playmaker, which is something that they've desperately missed with him on the sidelines for the last few months. The Chargers get a guy who is going to make plays on a regular basis. He's going to tackle very well, which is one of the Chargers kryptonites at the moment. And he just has the best instincts maybe of anyone on that defense. Just his knowledge 
knowledge of the game, his ability to have that quick twitch burst to always be around the football is going to bring an infectious energy back to this Chargers defense. A Chargers defense, like you said, that has already been pretty good, especially considering the injuries to him and Adrian Phillips, who we could also be expecting back for the game against the Broncos potentially. But that begs the question also, David, with the Chargers at 4-7 and and their season really hanging by a thread, not much of a chance to make the playoffs as things currently stand and with the results of last weekend. So I ask you this, is it the right move right now for the Chargers to bring back Derwin James even if these games might be meaningless? Yeah, I do think it's the right move. I mean, Coach Anthony Lynn said, hey, if I got a player of that caliber that's healthy and ready to go, I'm definitely going to put him on the football field. And I share those sentiments for the simple fact that, you know, he's been working this entire three months to try to get back on the football field. And this is his reward. I mean, this, you know, he loves the game of football. He wants to be back on the field with his teammates. If he's healthy, I think you definitely put him out there to try to build some momentum for next year. Hopefully get his confidence up, make some plays, feel good and take that momentum into next year where hopefully he can pair with a healthy Nazir Adderley and we can really see what that back end of that secondary was designed to look like when Tom Telesco drafted Derwin James and Nazir Adderley in consecutive years. Yeah, and spent a first round and a second round pick on the two of them. So they're definitely going to be the future of this Chargers secondary. And it's really a disappointing season for both of those guys for different reasons. Derwin James building off his ridiculous rookie campaign and Nazir Adderley trying to find his footing in the NFL and just can't ever get healthy the entire season and never gets to really play on the defense besides a few snaps here and there. But for me, it's really hard to look at this because there's two angles. It's the rest of the Chargers players. How are they going to feel about a guy who is healthy enough to play and they're deciding that winning isn't their top priority right now and resting him is and giving him that preferential treatment when some of those players might already be looking at the treatment that Phillip Rivers gets and wondering if that's not preferential treatment, that he's still out there after throwing as many interceptions as he has the last two weeks. So there is that, but there's also... If he comes out and he gets hurt and tears his ACL or God forbid anything like that happens and he has some sort of major injury, every single person is going to be pointing fingers at the Chargers and saying, why would you guys bring him back in a meaningless season when you're 4-7? and seven? But Anthony Lynn put it frankly and said, guys, we're not tanking. There's five games left. We are trying to win all of the rest of these games. And that kind of has to be your message to the team right now. And if Derwin James has no more of a chance of getting injured right now or re-injuring his foot than he would if it was just any week and he was fully healthy, then he should be out there and he should be trying to help this team make a run. But one thing's for sure, the plan is for the Chargers to bring back Derwin James this season. And the Chargers get one of their most exciting, young, spectacular players back on the defense to try to make a run at winning the rest of these games. But we do have two more segments to get into. First, getting into what went wrong in this game. And let me tell you, there's a lot to talk about there before wrapping things up with a little bit of a silver lining and on a positive note with the what went right part of the show. But first, I need to tell you guys about something that always gets me jacked up and always gets me excited, and that is Blue Chew. Yes, that's blue like the color blue, Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know they work. 
You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can always be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The best part about Blue Chew, guys, is it takes all of the awkwardness out of this situation. All of the packages are shipped in a discreet package to your door. It's all online doctor visits, and you never have to go wait in line at the pharmacy. And since it ships direct, it's cheaper than the pharmacy as well. Right now, we have a special deal for our listeners. If you guys go to BlueChew.com and enter the promo code LOCKEDON, you can get your first shipment of BlueChew for free. All you have to do is pay $5 in shipping. The product is free at BlueChew.com. Promo code LOCKEDON. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. All right, guys. Well, now it's time to get into what we do every single week after a Chargers heartbreaking loss or a win, but that is getting into what went wrong and what went right. So, as always, we're starting with what went wrong, and, of course, it's the Chargers. So, we have a ton to talk about today. So, of course, I'm going to open the floor to our resident what went wrong expert, John Kegley, who is staying away from tequila because the Chargers lost in Mexico. But, John the floor is yours. Go ahead and get us started into what went wrong in this game against the Chiefs. Well, everyone wants to talk about how bad Phillip Rivers played, but there was some plays that Phillip Rivers made that either didn't happen or didn't count. And I want to bring up penalties in this game that brought back some decent plays or helped kill drives. Even when we had like a third and 25 or whatever it was, we still got first downs because of Phillip Rivers, but we should have never been in that situation. And then how about all the drops? Like on the last drive or the last two drives when Rivers would dump it off to Melvin Gordon or someone and they just completely dropped the ball. There were so many drops in this game too that were killing drives, but no one's bringing up those. Phillip Rivers' completion percentage could have been much higher and the Chargers could have been in better situations if not for these drop passes. So as much as people want to talk about Rivers, can we talk about how bad the penalties were and how bad the drop balls were? I think that's a great point. I mean, I think that obviously Melvin Gordon's drop that really was just brutal and gets bailed out by Phillip Rivers gets lost in this game and he kind of skips out on that because of Phillip Rivers even putting him in the position to have a chance to correct that giant mistake or the Mike Williams had a ball where he dropped it and it was would have been a tough catch, but these are all plays that you really have to have and a lot of targets for these guys in these games where they didn't come down with the ball and some of them are bad throws, obviously, and Phillip Rivers will have his moment in the what went wrong part of this show today, but there was so much outside of Phillip Rivers that went wrong as well, and yes, nine penalties for 60 yards is pretty bad. The Chiefs were really bad last night being penalized as well, and that helped too, but you can't have those penalties and you can't have the drops. And unfortunately, the drops have been a bigger issue this year than they have been in years past. And we can't just blame Travis Benjamin because he's been hurt a while. And John, I actually had you look up some stats last night that I want to just get back to you really quickly with. And that is the other receivers not being able to make plays and that third receiver not being an option for the Chargers. We kind of talked about it after Travis Benjamin was moved to the injured reserve list. Who is going to pick up those targets, even though there weren't many of them? And since then, John, when I had you look up the stats, it was pretty miraculous to see how non-existent the production has been from a wide receiver three. Yes. So the last game Travis Benjamin played was actually the last time we had catches by someone other than Hunter Henry, Mike Williams, and Keenan Allen, or one of the running backs. 
So for as far as the wide receivers go, Jeremy Davis had a catch and Jason Moore had two catches on the day that we lost to the Steelers. And after that, Travis Benjamin went on IR. Since then, Andre Padden and Jason Moore have combined for seven targets and no receptions. And all of those were in the last two games. Before that, they didn't even see a target. It's just crazy. I mean, the lack of production there. We talked about who would step up, and I guess the answer is no one. I mean, whenever Phillip Rivers targets Andre Patton, it seems like bad things happen. So it hasn't worked out. But, David, I'm sure you have your own list of things that went wrong in this game. So what do you want to start with today? So the thing I want to start with is the lack of success in the red zone. Another week, another game, and another time where they display terrible play calling and execution in the red zone. If the Chargers score touchdowns in the red zone, they win this game. I cannot understand why they can move up and down the field between the 20s, but as soon as you get to the red zone, they completely draw a blank, and they their offense, which was a hot knife through butter, it gets completely stonewalled. I don't understand it. It drives me nuts. And also... What is up with all the muffed punts? Des King, you are one of the best punt returners in the league, man. Why are you doing that? I mean, you you almost coughed it up a couple of times. Do not do that, man. Yeah, well, Desmond King is his own, I mean, conversation entirely just because the first one that he muffed that he tried to catch running backwards inside of your own 10-yard line, that's Travis Benjamin stuff. That's running into the end zone for a safety type of a bad play. I mean, you just can't have that there. And then to muff another one in the same game, we all know how dynamic Des King is as a returner, but the number one job of a punt returner is not taking it to the house. It's catching the football. And that is not what happened with Desmond King on Monday night. And as far as the red zone goes, one for four in your red zone trips, four touchdowns, that's not going to do it. And then you see the play to Keenan Allen and you see the play to Hunter Henry on the two-point conversion. And you're just kind of wondering, where are those two plays been for the rest of the red zone trips? I mean, the one where they had Mike Williams out on the right on the two-point conversion. Everybody thought it was going to be the play that won them the game last year against the Chiefs. And Hunter Henry sitting all alone in the back of the end zone. Those plays are so nice, giving it to Keenan Allen and letting him find a soft spot in the zone coverage and just getting his way in and being able to get in there on that play. Why don't we see that more often? But a lot of times with the red zone, it just ties in with everything else the Chargers do wrong. I mean, turning the ball over in the red zone, fumbling inside the one-yard line, getting to first and goal and getting a five-yard penalty that now you're running second and goal from the 13-yard line and really just devastating your chances of putting the ball into the end zone. And once again, another week where you just really can't defend what the Chargers did in the red zone. And Shane Steichen and the Chargers offense and Phillip Rivers still have yet to figure it out, even with guys like Hunter Henry, who's a big red zone target, guys like Mike Williams, who continues to not see targets in the red zone and in the end zone for some reason. I mean, why haven't we seen a fade pass to Mike Williams in the end zone. Why do we not see that more often? I know he's had a couple of chances and not come down with them, but as far as plays that you can actually score a touchdown on and you feel good that your receiver's not going to let it get intercepted, that's a good play for the Chargers near the end zone, and they just continue to not use it. But Phillip Rivers is not going to escape the blame of the Locked On Chargers podcast this week because what we did see from Phillip Rivers was three 
really bad interceptions, a fourth that lands in the lap of a defensive tackle. That's really hard to blame him for, even though many people say, hey, he could have stepped up in the pocket. I don't care. Trey Pipkins got beat badly. Phillip Rivers got hit as he threw. And the same with the one that Tyron Matthew dropped. I mean, the easiest pick ever. I mean, maybe he shouldn't have tried to go deep on that, but he was hit. Still an inexcusable play by Phillip Rivers. But seven interceptions over the last two weeks. Ending another game with an interception. I think the fourth time this season he's ended a game with an interception. And just really, really good plays in the middle of the game that are surrounded by two separate pairs of drives that all end in interceptions for a total of four. Seven in the last two weeks, David. Fourteen on the season. You just cannot win with those numbers. Yeah, you can't. It's just awful. I mean, and sandwiched in between, you know, those interceptions is 350 passing yards. I mean, it's just crazy. He makes, you know, like you you said last night, you know, he's just up and down. It's hot or cold. It's either really good Phillip Rivers or it's just terrible. But the the terrible outweighed the really good. I mean, there just wasn't enough. I mean, anytime you're giving the ball back to that offense, it's just bad news. I mean, they're going to capitalize on it and they're going to score. And they did. Uh, you you just cannot have that type of play at the quarterback position going forward. I mean, I love Philip Rivers like all almost all of us do, but we can't make excuses for him anymore. He's making very bad decisions, and he needs to be a lot better protecting the football. It just it can't happen moving forward. He's got to try to figure it out. Throw the ball away. Take the sack. I don't care. Just stop giving the ball away. I want to argue something here. Because if you actually look at every single interception, you could tell whether it's Rivers making a bad read or something gone wrong or if he had no choice. So, like, for example, in the Raider game, the first interception, Hunter Henry fell. Henry was open. It was a good throw. Henry just fell. The throw was already made before Henry threw. You can't blame Rivers for that. The very last throw of the Raider game that was intercepted, it was fourth down. You have to throw it up. It's going to get intercepted. It's going to be incomplete. But if you don't throw it, it, it's automatically game over. So, like, out of that, only one interception of that whole game was Rivers making a bad decision. The first play of the game, Rivers got hit, or the first interception of the Chiefs game, Rivers got hit as he was throwing. There was a guy open, so Rivers took advantage of it. What he's supposed to do step up in the pocket and miss that wide-open guy because someone can't block? It, you can't blame him for that one. The second interception of the Chiefs game was an absolutely horrible read. He didn't even make the read on the safety. He just assumed Keenan was open without looking to the right side, and it was automatically intercepted interception right when he throws the ball. There was no way of getting out of that unless Tyrone Matthew drops the ball. The third one, I think Rivers actually was trying to say, you know, it's either going to be intercepted and it's like a punt or it's incomplete. We still punt or it's a catch and we get the big play we need. Because I think if you look at that play, it looked like it was designed to be a Hail Mary. All the blocks went to one side of the field and Rivers automatically was rolling out already. Right, right when the play started, he was already rolling out and went for the deep pass. And Rivers is going back on, it's okay. It's all right. It's whatever. Like, I think he intended for that to happen. And then the fourth one was he got messed up by the coverage. He thought it was some other coverage. So he tried to lob it into Austin Eckler into the zone and Sorison fooled him. So as far as as much as you can say it's a bad play of Rivers, it's more of just a bad read instead of a stupid throw. Well, Philip Rivers said himself after the game that he did not get tricked by that coverage, that he just made a poor throw. So, I mean, I, I think that, that, I mean, that's what he said. So I'm going to go with Philip Rivers on that. It was a poor throw, no matter what you 
say, I mean, no matter how you look at it, Daniel Sorensen's back was never to Phillip Rivers. That was just a bad play. I mean, the Oakland at the last interception, I get what you're saying, but the 0 for 7, it's hard to just say, okay, well, you had to go for it on that one. What about the other, you know, six incompletions? One of them was a contested catch by Hunter Henry, but I think you're giving a little bit too much credit to Phillip Rivers, but at the same time, I get what you're saying. There's always outside circumstances. There is the terrible offensive line play and all of those things, and some of them, I, I get it, and the Andre Patton one, I get it, but if you're saying he intended it, what's that play call then? I mean, that so many other things need to be questioned on that if you're really just, I mean, throwing a Hail Mary, but I do think Andre Patton should have never let that ball get intercepted. You have to fight for that ball better than he did right there, but either way, I mean, there's just too many careless chances. You're not going to win games like that. Rivers is trying to do too much right now, like we've seen him do in really bad seasons before this, and that's why I'm kind of hesitant to always just, you know, pull the rug out entirely just because we've seen Philip Rivers have really bad stretches when he's trying to do too much. And we know he can be much better when he's not trying to do too much. But John, one more thing that I just think is even more concerning is that is that the Chargers are putting the ball in Philip Rivers' hands so much and asking so much of him when the running game was working so effectively in the first half. In the first half, Melvin Gordon had 58 yards. The Chargers in general had 83 yards total on 14 carries. It was working exceptionally well. And then the Chargers run the ball only five times in the second half for just 10 yards. So you have run the ball 14 times in the first half, only five times in the second half. And John, I know some of that goes to, hey, you let the Chiefs go down and score two touchdowns right off the bat in the second half. But I think that's giving too much credit to the Chiefs, and I think that's taking too much of the blame away from the Chargers' offense for getting so much away from the run when you know that the Chiefs' passing defense is actually their strength. Their run defense is the weak part. I actually agree. I was wondering why we weren't running the ball in the second half a lot. If you actually go to the uh, the drives that we had after we scored to make it 24-17, we had, what, four drives? And so two of those were punts. And you could have ran the ball effectively somehow on those plays, and instead you're passing the ball a lot. And when it came down to the the first drive that ended with the interception, the deep one to Andre Patton, you could have ran the ball on that one too. You had plenty of time. You could have ran the ball and slowly moved down the field, but instead we're still passing the ball. I don't know why we tend to abandon the run game in the second half. I will say that since Wizenhunt's left, we ran the ball more effectively in the first half. But it seems second half we disappear from it, except for the with the exception of the Packers game. But we send, we somehow are disappearing from it and trying to throw the ball a lot. Rivers had over 50 attempts. I saw some stat like three years ago, I want to say, where when Rivers is throwing the ball less, the Chargers are winning because the offense is more balanced. So it's hard for the team to figure it out. But at the same time, can you really blame Rivers for having to take chances on some throws if he's being told to throw the ball constantly and nothing's working because he's getting hit all the time. I want to say, what if we actually had like a 50-50 one day? One one game, it's 50% run, 50% pass. Would the numbers look the same for Phillip Rivers? Well, no, they wouldn't because look at the first game under Shane Steichen. The Chargers ran the football more than they threw the football. And guess what? Phillip Rivers had zero interceptions in that game. The Chargers had their best offensive performance of the season. So to think that there's no coincidence between those two things or correlation would be crazy. At this point, Phillip Rivers should never be chucking the ball 52 times. At this point, you're asking for disaster if that's what it's coming down to. But that's not even close to all the things that went wrong in this game. 
And let's not mention this was high altitude and Rivers threw 50 times and his arm was getting tired. You could tell some of those throws were just falling. Yeah, a lot of things to consider there. But just before we get into what went right, a couple other things I wanted to touch on is five for 15 on third down conversions for the Chargers offense, letting Mahomes scramble for 59 yards. And also the linebacking play is something that we're going to have to get into because there was still a bunch of missed tackles in a game where the Chargers defense ended up playing well, but there's still many concerns, especially with Thomas Davis and Denzel Perryman in open space. I mean, just forget about it. But we do have one more segment to get into ending the show with what went right and ending things on a positive note. But one way to find purpose in the NFL season when your team is four and seven is by having some action on the game. And the best place to do that is at mybookie.ag. Right now, guys, Thanksgiving is coming up. And the one thing Thanksgiving is known for outside of Turkey is football. And during Thanksgiving week, mybookie is offering a risk-free bet on the Bears-Lions game. Simply choose a team against the spread for up to $250. If you win, congrats. You've got an extra holiday spending money. If you lose, congratulations as well. My bookie will give you all of your money back because it's a no-brainer. You cannot lose. It's no risk. All gravy. Do you find yourself wanting to bet on sports but have a lot of questions? Don't sweat it. MyBookie's patient customer service team can walk you through the process. And the best part is, if you join this Thanksgiving week, you'll still have one last shot to take advantage of their incredible sign-up offer. All you have to do is log into MyBookie.ag, make your first deposit with promo code LOCKEDON, one word, and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll. And that's on top of the risk-free bet. So you put 100 bucks in, they'll match it with $100, and you get that free bet where you cannot lose at MyBookie.ag, guys. It's the best place to bet. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, guys. Well, time to end the show on a more positive note by getting into what went right. And when you have a game like this, you know, that Phillip Rivers throws four interceptions and the Chargers are right in it with a really good football team in the Kansas City Chiefs. There's definitely a fair share of things that went right in this game. So, David, when you were looking over the game and trying to find a silver lining to it, what did you come up with for what went right in the game against the Chiefs? So my what went right is uh, uh, about a guy we always want to see touch the football, always uh, has really good success when he does that, and that's Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler had 132 all-purpose yards, eight receptions for 108 yards, and get this, guys, this was his seventh game with 90-plus scrimmage yards on the season. Austin Eckler having a breakout year and is definitely earning himself some money. Austin Eckler is a turning into – one of the better all-purpose backs in the league, and I think he needs to start getting some more recognition. Yeah, and he needs more reps always. I mean, if Austin Eckler plays but all but one snap in a game, you're wondering why he wasn't out there on that other snap just because of how important he is to this offense. You see it on the first drive of the game, getting a mismatch with somebody wearing the number 98. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say no one wearing the number 98 should ever be covering Austin Eckler streaking down the field. I mean, that's always going to end in disaster for the other team. But love Austin Eckler. I also thought Keenan Allen... And Hunter Henry had pretty nice games. Keenan goes 8 for 71, gets a a long-awaited touchdown that we've been missing from his game for over the last, I mean, what, six, seven weeks. And then Hunter Henry just, you know, putting up pretty much his average six for 69 yards, which, I mean, is average for him, but for any other tight end, that's a really, really 
good game. But John, one thing that I thought went right in this game was just the Chargers being able to get off of the field on those last two drives. And I definitely want to highlight that because with the way the game went, it's easy to forget that the Chargers could have easily just never even had those last two interceptions. The Chiefs could have basically ended the game against the Chargers. But even after a big scramble by Patrick Mahomes, the Chargers find a way to get off the field when they really need to save time the most. So I have to give credit to the Chargers defense for not only getting off the field on those last two drives, but holding the Chiefs down in the first half when the Chargers offense couldn't put things together and really being the only reason the Chargers had a chance in this game altogether. Well, the Chargers defense in the first half was shutting down the Chiefs. I mean, they couldn't even move the ball that well. They couldn't get points. Their first points were because of a turnover by right. Phillip Rivers. Before that, the Chiefs offense couldn't do anything. This defense was keeping us in the game. It was doing its job. Melvin Ingram was just all over the field. He was knocking down passes, getting after the QB, making tackles in the run game. He was having a monster game. This defense was playing lights out. They had their mistakes. They had their missed tackles. But, I mean, this is a Chargers defense. You can't expect perfection out of them. Just the fact they had this kind of game is amazing in and itself. But the last two drives, you were right. They gave the Chargers offense a chance. And the Chiefs offense, with all the talent they have, could have easily just picked up first down after first down and just ran out the clock and not given us any chance or just scored at will if they really could, really wanted to. But the defense held them. And that is a big what went right in this game. We, hadn't, we thought it was going to be a shootout. We thought like 38, 35 type of points because of how bad both teams' defenses could be in this game with how good the Chiefs offense is, how bad the Chiefs defense is. But our our defense was huge in this game. They were huge. I mean, holding Patrick Mahomes to under 65 yards passing in the first half, the lowest of his entire career. And that's the hard thing about against the Chiefs is you can play really three good defensive quarters, which the Chargers did in this game, and have them blow up on back-to-back drives where they end it with touchdowns because that's what the Chiefs do. They end their drives with touchdowns, not field goal attempts, and it just feels like the game is a lot worse than it really was. But the linebacking core, obviously, was the weak spot in this game. The secondary, I thought, played really great. And Rayshon Jenkins, you have to give him some credit. I mean, he gets the interception. He had a play where he came up and run defense and absolutely cracked a running back and stopped him in his tracks to stop him from getting a first down and forcing a third down attempt. I mean, I thought that the Chargers defense was a a real bright spot in this game and especially stopping the run because I'm not going to hold Patrick Mahomes scrambles. Patrick Mahomes scrambles against the Chargers run defense. When you actually look at it, David, the Chargers held the Chiefs running backs to 22 carries for only 71 yards. And you will take that every single week if you're a Chargers fan. And I thought the Chargers have gotten really far away from just being a team that gets pushed around all over the line of scrimmage. There's some guys out there, Justin Jones and Damian Square especially, that are just getting nasty, fighting to not give up any yards and finishing ball carriers when they can when everything gets mucked up in the middle. Yeah, I mean, can we highlight uh, Damian Square just again? I mean, we, we've we've been mentioning him, but it seems like every game he has he's making a play, he's making an impact. I mean, he signed to a one year deal. I think it's time to start thinking about, you know, giving him rewarding him a little bit more than just a one year deal. I think he's really you know been the heart and soul of that defensive line, obviously besides Bosa and Ingram. But can we also highlight not only their you know you know greatness against the run, but they kept 
a quarterback and, you know, a former MVP, Patrick Mahomes, who had threw for over 400 yards the previous week to under 200 yards yeah. passing. Okay. Hello. I'm a, let me repeat that one more time. They held Patrick Mahomes to under 200 yards passing. That has to be highlighted. The defense, the secondary was on point all game long. That's a great point. And the Chargers did make a ton of plays, especially when the ball was in the air. I mean, Patrick Mahomes in that first half, and even for a lot of the game, just seemed out of sorts. And I thought the pass rush outside of the Chargers containing Patrick Mahomes in their pass rush lanes, those guys were getting pressure, guys. I mean, the sack numbers aren't going to show it, but they were causing chaos in that backfield, and it caused a lot of errors by Patrick Mahomes, a lot of missed throws that we don't normally see him miss. I mean, and yes, there's a lot of backpedaling throws where he makes it 30, 40 yards down the field with just a flick of the wrist, and you're just wondering how the hell did he do that. But at the same time, the Chargers rattled Mahomes a little bit in this game, and it starts with the pass rusher and stopping the run, forcing these third and longs, and just executing. And the Chargers defense held them in this game and had a ridiculous performance against Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs were missing Tyreek Hill, which makes a huge difference. If you were going to have a really good defensive performance, it was going to come in this game, and the Chargers stepped up to the plate in that regard. But that is going to wrap things up for the show today. We're going to have a little bit of a different week this week with the Chargers on their bye week. So we'll be getting back to you guys with some unique segments that we don't normally get into. We're going to try to have some interviews as well over the next couple of weeks until the Chargers get back against the Broncos on December 1st. But it is going to be a little bit different this week. Definitely some more fan voicemail. So if you guys want to call in, make sure to call 323-524-7924 to get your voice on the show. We have a couple more already that we haven't got to get to. But until next time, guys, make sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page, Locked On Chargers, as well as subscribing wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there. But thanks for sticking with us, guys. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.